Welcome to the PropTech Podcast. It's Kylie Davis here, and I'm delighted to be your host as we explore the brave new world where technology and real estate collide. It's so great to have you here and to share stories of innovation and opportunity across real estate, property, and building services. And the aim of each episode is to introduce listeners to a PropTech innovator who is pushing the boundaries of what's possible across how we design, build, buy, sell, rent, and invest in property and all of the associated behavior and activities around that. Now, none of this would be possible without our sponsors. So a big shout out to the Direct Connect team, Making Moving Easy, Dynamic Methods, the innovators behind the Forms Live and RealWorks Forms, and the PropTech Association of Australia. Thank you for your support of the podcast. My guest this week is a PropTech that recently received huge coverage in the Australian Financial Review for receiving $8 million in its Series A funding from investors EVP and Regal, which has allowed it to add another 40 people to its team in just a few weeks. It's almost doubling its size. Can I Build is an exciting prop tech that pulls in huge data sets, including local and state government legislation, home ownership, mapping and topography data to create a tool for builders and their clients to quickly answer the question, can I build this house, pool, granny flat, shed, whatever on a building site and to identify issues that are likely to affect its location, aspect or the cost of the build in advance. Now, it's a complete rethink of the traditional processes that go into quoting, assessing, estimating and re-quoting for construction and is the brainchild of Tim Kakaro, founder and CEO, whose background is in both computer science and construction. So here to tell us all about it, Timothy Kakaro, welcome to the PropTech Podcast. No, thank you, Kylie, and I really appreciate the invitation to be here. Yeah, no, well, it's great to have you on the show. We've been seeing you everywhere, from, you know, inside the Fin Review and all sorts of amazing spots. So uh, well done. So to kick off, Tim, they always have the hardest question first. And what's the Can I Build um, elevator pitch? Yes. Yeah, so what Can I Build essentially is it's a client-facing sales application tool. It just answers that simple question, can I build a house, a pool, a shed or a garage on my property? And what used to take many weeks and many um, different consultants, architects, draftsmen, town planners um, to be able to answer that presumably easy question, can I build just basically condenses all those steps into a single platform that provides an answer within just a few clicks. So in just about five minutes, you'll be able to answer that question and both builder and client can comfortably move to the next step. So um, that's what can I build does in a, in a nutshell. Awesome. Awesome. And I I find this space really exciting because we all know that there's an awful lot of bureaucracy that goes on around local government applications and and things like that. So so what are the problems that you're specifically solving? Like how how big a problem is this in Australia? Yeah, the the size of the problem can't be um, underestimated. So Mm. essentially right now, if you imagine yourself um, wanting to build a pool or a or a shed or, or a house or whatever it might be on your property, you would think to call a local builder, you'll Google who's near me and they'll come out and they'll um, see you on site and and scribble something on a piece of paper and say something like, oh, give me until next week to, to send you something by email, et cetera. <laughs> three so months a, later, you're still chasing them for the client, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's if you're able to get the, the, the builder to come on site in the first place as well at a time that suits all parties, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, so, so it's quite a, um, a large problem. Um, and then 
That problem is from a builder's perspective, that's largely unpaid work. Um, so clients are still trying to choose the builder they're, they're going with. So these questions usually cost money to answer. It needs a surveyor and an architect. Um, and it's largely unpaid because the builder still trying to win the job. From the client's perspective, there's frustration because there's a disconnect. They just want answers to their questions to know, does it meet budget, et cetera, and to be able to be on the same page. So the problem happens every day with everyone that's thinking of building. And from our perspective, the, the issue in construction starts with how it's sold. We don't believe that builders lose sleep with rain delays and things like that. It's really the disconnect from what the client was thinking they were going to get from the onset of what they actually getting. And this problem um, basically involves these steps that um, it's called over-the-wall design methodology where a builder is throwing it over the wall to the architect to do a bit of work, and then the architect's throwing it over the metaphorical wall to the estimator. And then all these people that are involved are changing the story. So when it gets back to the client, they're saying, this is not what I expected, and then the changes mm-hmm. happen, and then many months later, they may or may not kick off a build. Yeah, that's right. Like, why Why is that window there? <laughs> Who agreed to that window being there, right? Remember you said that on iteration number 53 and things like that. So these are the things that Canal Build is trying to consolidate and condense and be able to provide those answers straight away and then avoid many of these issues. Yeah, okay. I love this because it is one of the big, you know, because we've built a property, we've built a house and we've done multiple renovations together as a couple and we're still married. So like, you know, props to us. <laughs> Way to go, babe. Um, so um, so big shout out to my husband, Mark Collins. Um, so, but it is extraordinary stressful. It's extraordinarily stressful. If I think back to some of the most stressful parts of our marriage, they've usually involved someone from the building industry as a third party. Um, 100%. So I love this idea though that it's almost like sh- it's almost like shopping and it's the same problem that we have in buying a property too, isn't it? That I don't know if I'm in the market because I don't know how much I need to spend to get the thing I want to spend. And I don't know the steps of what I've got to do to spend until I know what the plan is. And so I guess at the moment, it's a, it's it's upside down in a digital way in that you have to get the humans to tell you what the likely what that likely cost is. But actually, digitally, we can probably just understand that from the outset and then give the humans better instructions down the track. 100%. So I'm spot yeah. on. So, and, and from a client's perspective, they see things in the in the view that, dear Mr. Builder, haven't you done this a thousand times before? <laughs> right. um, and, and the problem is every block of land is different. The slope is different. The, the issues that might affect is different. And there's different people that are employed to answer different questions. So a surveyor for the slope, an engineer for some of those structural elements. So to have a platform that can answer that reduces some of the stress and maybe save a few marriages along the way yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not everyone's as robust as us. <laughs> so so how are you solving those problems? Like I really, like there's a lot of problems there and there's times, um, you know, thousands of local government areas. So how are you guys fixing that? Yeah, so we've we've been developing this application for the better part of six years now, and a lot of that work has been in the codification of rules um, and understanding the actual issue at hand. So as opposed to being just a data portal where we're dumping rules, 
And we're very much from a sales focus where we just answer that simple question. We're choosing a house. The system knows what type of house. Is it two stories? What size it is? Um, it understands which council you're in as soon as you pick a parcel, which could be anywhere in the world. Um, and then your big and parcel understands the rules that apply to that build type on that block of land and start answering these questions with a simple visual way with ticks and crosses. So um, are you complying or aren't you? What are the setbacks? How big of a house can you build before you start breaching a, a local um, rule or covenant? Um, and then in order to be out, so armed with that information, some of these answers start becoming easier. Can I build this house? No, but you can build this one. Um, this mm. one's a bit too big for your block, or this one is going to cost too much. Or um, so, And then the system is all about automation. So rather than having the need to estimate every cost, the system um, calculates site cost, for example, uh, because it understands the contours, the level of the ground, it understands what you're trying to build. Um, so it starts piecing all these things together in a highly visual way so a, a client can see exactly how it looks on their block. They might start saying things like, that looks a bit funny. Can I have a bit to the left, a bit to the right? Which traditionally, <laughs> that involves an architect shifting it a bit to the left, a bit to the right. So that's a few weeks. Um, the builder is armed with the slope so they don't have to wait for a surveyor. They can start saying, over here is going to be cheaper than over here on your particular block of land. So I recommend this, I recommend that. And then the net outcome of that entire complexity is you've got a complete picture. So when you move to the next step, it's not like it was before where you start the whole back and forth with changes and and, yep. and all these kind of things. So yep. that's what can I build trust do. So what kind so how many area how many areas across Australia are you covering at the moment? Yeah, so right now we cover all of Australia, New Zealand awesome. and the United States. So oh, wow, okay, awesome. It's been a busy run and there's some, you know, over 20 million um, parcels of land that uh, have been codified and rules and regulations for over 500 councils across Australia alone. And the United States is a little bit more complex with their 19,000 um, odd um, cities and counties that are involved in this planning process. It's, um, yeah, it, they redefine complexity in construction. Um, but yeah, we cover those areas and looking to expand further um, as time goes on. Wow, that's phenomenal. You must have some phenomenal data sets being pulled through your system. Yeah, it's it's all about big data. Like, There's a lot of big data that we've um, incorporated in. We've got a lot of um, data from local councils, um, federally across the, um, whether it's flood, utilities, for sewer. Um, so we consolidate all of those. But the idea is not to just grab a whole lot of data and just merely present the data for the end user to interpret we try to interpret in relation to the build that they're doing so then we can answer questions as opposed to hoping that the end user can dissect what all this means. Um, and then that means you arm the sales consultant with all the tools they need to be able to answer all the questions they need to be able to answer. So so who are your clients? Are they builders or are they are they people, you know, mum and dad's trying to build a property or stick a granny flat on or a pool or something? It, it, <laughs> Our direct client is, we're a B2B platform, so our direct yep. client is um, builders. Um, yep. So it could be granny flat builders or edu builders, as they're called in the US, um, home builders, garage and shed builders, pool builders. Uh, really, the platform can spread from there, but we're um, focused on these particular um, build types right now. And so our clients um, include some of the largest home builders, so McDonald Jones, GJ Gardner, 
Um, we cover almost 30% of the top 100 builders in Australia uh, using mm-hmm. our platform mm-hmm. and all the way down to custom home builders or uh, pool builders doing one to five jobs a year. And, you know, without sort of diminishing the importance of the larger players, the, the smaller players are many more thousands because construction is a hyper-fragmented industry. So yes. we're very proud that the system is simple and easy enough to use that uh, a small builder can leverage it and start taking advantage of the cost savings that relate to, as well as large builders that have many, at times, hundreds of sales consultants all using the platform. Mm, fantastic. Okay. So, so is the way that the platform works that you, you're asking about whether you're the, the, the property that you've got in mind or the build that you've got in mind is suitable for the site as opposed to going to council and uploading your plan and, or, or having your plan that you've got at the moment, you know, flight checked against council regulation? Yeah, so it, it's not about going to council or um, anything like that. So right now it's all about if you're thinking just like yourself, it starts with an idea, right? You're thinking of building a pool and you're not question marking, hey, maybe I can build a cinema or a bridge or a pool. <laughs> it, 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 yeah, from, from the resident. I'm not sure what I feel like in my back garden. I might, might want one of those three things. Yeah. That's right. So, um, so it's not a feasibility oriented tool where it's just saying, hey, these are the hundred different options you have on the block of land. Um, it's really starting with that. Um, can I build this house on this block of land or this shed or this pool? Um, so we already know what you're trying to build and then we're trying to answer that question for you through the platform. So without the need of having to go to council and explain the story, because even council won't give you black and white answers. They'll probably- no, they never do. No. <laughs> They'll say download DCP or download this information and or speak to a town planner. But again, reiterating on the points earlier, that no one's paying anything at this stage right now. The, the client's still trying to decide whether or not they can afford it or do it. The builder doesn't want to spend money if they don't know it's a client. Um, so it's all this subject to kind of area where everything's up in the air and um, and there's these kind of talk where assuming your block of land is flat and assuming there's no issues, it's going to be around $50,000. Yeah. And then two weeks later, it turns into 100000 because it's not flat and there's a sewer running through the middle of it and there's this issue and that issue and then the client thinks, um, getting hard done by. And yeah, this guy's ripping me off. Yeah, yeah. That- and that stems back to even the issues, the earlier question that you asked, that this problem with the how it's solved starts producing disputes and, and, and there's issues and then there's a friction between builder and client and there's stemming from that mental health issues, which especially a lot of smaller builders, I've met a lot of builders in my time and most are trying to do the right thing all the time. They're not dodgy. They're not mm. uh, in this kind of sort of casting this light. They're just ill-equipped to be able to answer all the questions. And if you imagine a husband and wife um, builder crew that is um, doing construction, usually um, the wife is doing a lot of the administration, dispute handling, quoting behind the scenes. And the fact that nothing is easy, usually the net result is everyone's working seven days a week, 24 hours a day, sending emails out on the weekend with quotes and things like that just to get get by into the next month. And I'm hoping that Can I Build just alleviates some of that insanity and allows yes. people <laughs> to just 
do a lot more of what they want to do as opposed to just downloading PDFs online and Googling for answers and things like that, which is... Oh, yeah. Imagine a real estate forms and contract solution that's always accessible, up to date with legal changes and cuts admin time by 40%. That's the beauty of the Forms Live platform from Dynamic Methods. With Forms Live, Dynamic Methods have created a form system that is easy, online and best of all, compliant. Every month, 50,000 agents and property managers use Forms Live in 7,500 agencies across every state and territory in Australia. Plus, Forms Live has over 100 integrations in including the industry's most popular CRMs, connection services, and digital signatures with DocuSign, making it the national platform of choice for real estate forms. Check them out at formslive.com.au. Do you guys intersect with council at all? Or is it only that, or is it that having looked at all of the existing council regulations, this design will probably not have any, you know, will 95% or, you know, X percent of chance have a problem getting through council. It's most likely to be approved by council. Yes. So exactly. So (laughs) do you want me to ask that again? That was a little bit messy. (laughs) Any one council, their their document might be 100 pages long. So every council and... And it's written in a way that unless you're a town planner, it's typically hard to understand, just a simple question. So what we've done is we've grabbed this 100-page document, we've reduced it down to a codified method so we know what the setbacks are. So the setbacks can be reduced down to, say, for example, if the property is X size and on a corner block, therefore the setbacks are X and Y. So then we just do X and Y. We don't just simply provide the 55,000 different setback options. We've reduced it down to what your setbacks are, how big the build can be on this site. We check the zoning to make sure that you can even build this or not. And the zoning may dictate um, what type of build structures that you can. For instance, a shed, if it's um, under 20 square metres in New South Wales, it can be classified as a garden shed. It can be exempt. You can do that. The second you go over, you need extra approvals. If you go over to a certain size again, then it has to be in rural. And without needing to know all these um, intricate details, a sales consultant can now just say, where's the address of your property? Let me put it into Can I Build. Let me bring that property up. Let me choose the build that you're hoping to build. And I can say yes or no straight away and give options. So it is about working with councils. We've got a lot of partnerships with many councils and they know about us because they're starting to see a lot of the material that gets produced out of Can I Build being submitted into Mm -hmm. council. And so we're working quite closely to make sure that we're always improving and aligned with their expectations as well, because we're part of this community of um, builders and town planners and architects to make sure it all works better than it has before. Yeah, well, I I imagine that even councils would look at where the plans are coming from and going, oh, thank goodness, we know this one's probably not going to have too many, you know, have, have too much to worry about in it, right? 100%, especially with rural, a lot of our rural client clients that may have been sort of lacking some of the um, services to be able to produce some of this information, it's a godsend for them because now they can produce material promptly and quickly to be able to submit and that's compliance. And I'm assuming there's a few town planners within many councils across Australia that sees our little logo and says, all right, at least we know this is going to be in the the realm of possibility now as opposed to breaking someone's heart where they say, sorry, it's declined. (laughs) 
have have somebody's wife in their in their reception crying because she can't get her her, town, her planning approval through. My favourite council story was when we were building our house on the south coast um, in Yorubadella Council, and we um, got told that we couldn't submit our application until we had chosen the colour that the house would be, and we were like, okay, that sounds like there has it has to be a specific like is are there guidelines for the colour? And they said no, they haven't been approved yet, and so we said. Okay, so what? <laughs> what are our options here? It's like, well, you can, you should choose a, you should choose an approved color. It's like, but okay, so what are the approved colors? No, we haven't got any approved colors yet. There's only a draft guideline. So, so if I pick a color from the draft guidelines, are they going to get approved? Well, we can't guarantee that because that hasn't been approved yet. It's like, <laughs> what alternative universe have I just entered? I don't. Know. Oh, to hell with it! Make everything green, like everything gum tree green. It'll be fine. It's a rural block. <laughs> And, and, and this is and and you've pointed out the exact problem, right? So um, I think sometimes some clients think that builders have this magical backdoor communication with council and knows what's what, but it's not. The builder themselves are having the same conversation as you just had, and you can imagine when that builder tells the client, "Okay, here's the story. We need to pick a color. I don't know what color." And then the client and the client would say the builder doesn't know what they're talking about, etc. And it's you know, and they take a lot of the slack. So hopefully, can I build condenses that reduces that um, sort of impost and produces question answers to questions a lot quicker. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and at the time when we were being told you have to pick the color, we were like, "Why is this a problem as part of the construction?" Because of course, it affected the color bond and the hardy. Because uh, I was thinking, well, we'll just paint it. Exactly. Yeah. So all sorts of things you don't know about. Okay. So, um, so what? So what's your your B two B is your business model? Your SaaS platform, or how does that work? What's what's the back end? So we're a SaaS platform. As long as you've got internet connection, you can log in and use the the platform anywhere on any device. And um, so there's nothing that you have to download. Um, our platform is a usage-based platform, so it's not about how many users are on the system. You can have as many um, sales consultants that we're not charging per seat, per se. It is mm-hmm. purely by usage, so the amount of addresses you look up. And that way, it's fair for, for everyone because larger builders are searching more properties and the, and the model works for them, as well as smaller builders that might be just doing two or three it then caters for them. And that was always important for us because we've never set out to be the, you know, to target the top end of town. Everyone targets the apartment builders and the sky rises and the bridges with nice offices in uh, city centres. The they've got the money to pay for the people. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, but to, to a large degree. And we much prefer to speak to, um, you know, Jack um, that's working on, on the back of a ute and work with him and we always like to say that we're construction guys that know tech rather than tech guys that know construction so we much prefer to help those that are desperately needed because they're, yeah, they're doing awesome. a lot right now yeah awesome so how big is can i build and i mean you recently got your um what series a funding and how tell us about that and tell us how big you are yeah so um, we've been developing this application for many years now yeah. and um, we were growing quite um, rapidly under under the radar, so to speak, um, but we needed to sort of, we saw the opportunity and we needed to sort of move um, faster on that. Um, fortunately, I think other people in the industry got to know what we were doing and we were fortunate enough to have a lot of the venture capitalists follow up us and chase us. So we mm-hmm. never needed to do the whole email out and beg for a yep. meeting and, yep. <laughs> and pitch too much. 
Yep. Um, and, and a lot of those VCs were from the US, um, but we were fortunate enough to um, find EVP and Regal Fund Management, which are both um, local venture capital partners um, who have been tremendous um, in that process. We've been able to raise $8 million in our Series A, which goes towards helping develop the application further, um, grow expansion in the markets that I've touched on, so the US, New Zealand, and, and Australia. And our start count has just passed over 70, um, I think, as of yesterday. Um, and we've hired some 40 people in the last three months alone. So it's Ooh, wow. pretty dizzying growth, which is quite exciting. So, And, and the team we've got is fantastic. Like, uh, it's, it's a pleasure to come to work. Awesome. Um, where's home? What's the state? Well, home, home is planet Earth, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> Embraced a remote first um, strategy um, and yeah. genuinely not, you know, in sort of um, lip service to the idea. Um, so our staff spans the four corners. So we've got staff in Texas, Florida, California, um, India, Estonia, um, South Africa, and of course, across Australia. Our traditional headquarters is based in Bella Vista in Sydney, New South Wales. Um, so that's that's home, but there's very few people that are um, ever in the office. We've been uh, fortunate enough to, to have a really good team that's been embracing this process. And we've had many Zoom sessions like this one yeah. uh, with our team to, to keep everyone connected. Awesome. So, so, Tim, what's your background? Tell us a bit about you. How did you get into this craziness called PropTech? Yeah. <laughs> How much it, wine was involved? No. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not enough. But, um, yeah, so... Basically, it's a bit of a strange story. So while I've got a computing science background and I've had very small stints with IBM and PwC in my career, um, somehow, some way, I went into construction. Um, I started doing you know, small little projects as an you know, investment for myself, um, but that quickly spanned to becoming a builder in my own right. I set up a separate company that's in the granny flat um, space, that in the affordable housing space. Um, which is one of the first proponents in there. That company got quite large, doing over 200 projects a year. Um, and from those learnings, I sort of could see a lot of the issues that's happening in construction. I never lost my love affair with technology. And I always tried to make the changes within that company to try to solve them, but it's a very big problem. And then the second we split that off and founded Can I Build as a completely separate entity five years ago, um, that's when things started to change and we were able to focus on the problem from a pure tech standpoint. And we've been fortunate enough that most of our core team have been neck deep in construction all their life. So we all get it. We don't need to survey a thousand builders to say, hey, mm-hmm. do we get it? We're, we're one of them and yep. we all understand the problem. And we saw the problem as starting from sales, not anywhere else in the cycle. So yep. um, that's how I've sort of got to here, but it's a really weird interconnect. I, I really find people that have a computing science background as well as a building. And a building background. But I love that idea because, I mean, granny flats are pretty, I imagine they're pretty modular or, or similar in how they're going to look at the end of the day. And they're going to, you know, they're a certain size and they're going to fit in the block in a certain way. So that's probably the perfect place to start for something like this because you have something that's fairly consistent and the only thing changing are the council guidelines, right, as to where or where it's got to be. 100%. I'm smiling because that was essentially the ethos that we started with. Yeah. Running flats. Like why do, we have to, why do we have to have a bespoke answer every time we want to build the same shaped little box? In- <laughs> and, 
And that shows you how <laughs> insane the whole process is. Because <laughs> yeah. in New South Wales, you can only build up to 60 square metres, yet every council has its nuance and there's even under the state uh, rules and regulations on the CDC, there's, it's subject to the block. If it's a corner block and depending on size, it's either two metres from the side or three metres, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So even grading flats is difficult. So um, these are all the things that we're trying to solve and what we've learned from our many years in construction and and mm. in that process. So we've learned the hard way. Yeah, yeah. So so I'm I'm conscious of time, but so what's been the biggest challenge as part of this whole journey that you've faced? Yeah, so like this question, it's a good question. So since we've been running businesses um, all our lives, with many of the typical learnings we've already painstakingly learned, um, but probably the the biggest thing that I learned is I should have started sooner. Um, <laughs> I think I... Yeah. I think I let life get away with from me a little bit. I thought I'll live forever and I'll always have time. But um, so if I did anything, I would have done it sooner. And I think I overthought it a little bit and I and I went down the wrong track of trying to solve it for a, just one business as opposed to acknowledging it is a, a global problem and needing a separate focus. And probably the other thing that I'm learning and still learning to to come to grips with is we, the, the opportunity is so clear to us that we don't want to stuff it up. And we know that it's our, it's the opportunity for us to lose if we don't stay focused. So it's very easy to just start entertaining new ideas every day and go left and go right. Um, so one of the things that I'm learning to do is um, keep calm and stay focused on, on the core offering of what Canada Bill can do. And, and I think if we do that, uh, it's going to be bright days ahead for can I build as well as the construction industry as a whole? I think it's I think it's one of the biggest challenges that every um, prop tech has in its early years, which is that there are so many great ideas out there that you know that that, that would be awesome if you could just do, but just keeping that focus is is really is really tough, isn't it? So do you run a prop tech business or are you the founder of a prop tech? Make sure you join the Prop Tech Association of Australia. It's Australia's new not-for-profit association made up of tech people who are passionate about the property industry and committed to improving experiences in how we buy, sell, rent, manage, build and finance property. Joining will give you access to events and networks across Australia and globally to help you promote and grow your business. Go to proptechassociation.com.au and follow the prompts to join. So how do you see the competitive space? You guys are the only ones out there doing this. There's some other ones that are taking the kind of council side and and looking at approvals, but how do you see that competitive space? Yeah, so right now we're fortunate that the competitive space is quite bare. Um, So we're not in this, you know, um, feature comparison maps and things yet, um, but that soon will change. But the competitive landscape is pretty much broken down, like you said, and there's some startups, especially in the US, that are much more focused on assisting councils, assisting in their, um, their rural process. And um, there's others that are much more on the feasibility um, side of things, like what can I do on this block of land with the, mm-hmm. the 300 options and more a data portal style. Um, but we find that there's no one within the residential construction space purely focused on the sales and motive to be able to better sell construction from the step one to make sure you're selling something that's buildable and compliant. Mm. So that's the um, that's the 
the situation, but it'll change very quickly. There's no way that we'll have such a good run that we've been having for too long. Um, there'll be other, you know, very intelligent and innovative um, entrepreneurs that will be doing their startups and pushing into the space. So we need to just keep going at the pace we're going. Uh, yeah. How long have you been in the States for? Been operating over in the US? Yeah. So in the US, we've been operating for two years now. Mm, okay. um, so the United States is a funny market. It looks and smells and tastes very similar to the Australian market, but it's completely until it doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's the same underlying problem. So construction builders around the world are facing exactly the same issues to the letter. Um, so the underlying problem and solution is there. It's more of a case of understanding those nuances to to help us expand it. I know that every startup always thinks of shooting straight to the US market. Um, but my recommendation um, to them is understand your own market first, well and truly. Um, Australia is still a big place and there's still a lot of market share to, um, you know, to tackle. Um, you know, and again, this is that focus question, right? It's very easy to say, well, we'll go to the US next and then UK and Europe mm-hmm. and the world's our oyster. Mm-hmm. Um, but the trick is make sure that you stay focused on the problem and you're the ability of your company at the time to be able to service your clients because in the end of the day, if you mistreat your clients, it's just not going to pan out too well. No, very true. So so what do you see are the, the future trends that are going to drive growth in your in your area, Tim? Yeah, so... Because th- there's so much there's so much in construction that needs doing. Yeah, and, and that's the problem. It's, I think that at a very high level, construction has reached a tipping point um, I think there was a report that came out from the McKinsey Institute that said um, that construction as a result of COVID to a large degree has leapfrogged about 10 years in its tech journey over the course of 12 months. And I think a lot of construction companies are still yet to come to grips with that. Um, so technology, I think the industry has genuinely reached a tipping point. You can sense it with the amount of venture capital coming into construction startups even um, recently, beyond just the typical defect punch list or you know just administrative type startups that are just mm. helping builders, there's some much grander ideas like with can I build replacing sales process. So I think where the industry is going right now is a genuine shift of adopting technology in a tangible way, especially since construction has been so backward in in the tech space for so long. And I see that happening on a global scale. Um, mm. So especially in the United States with manufactured homes and prefab, that's getting tied a lot more in with um, technology. And I think in the future, we're going to see a lot more of this Amazon kind of mentality where clients just want to know, can I or can't I? Can, can I, can I just I, give me the yeah. answer? I just yeah. want to move to the next step. I don't want to be three months and 2,000 emails later knowing I just want the answer now. And clients are... Soon you'll find that just like your client is going on Amazon to buy a toaster, you will eventually be just going to the Amazon of construction uh, to be able to pick a pool or a house and understand everything that needs to be done and move to the next step. So it's an exciting time to be within construction and technology and we're happy to be at the forefront of it. Yeah. Look, I mean, it's awesome that so much in building is bespoke and customised, but sometimes you don't need or want that sometimes you just want to know what you're going to you're going to get there's too many decisions required in bespoke yeah and, yep. and therefore too many mistakes you can make 100 <laughs> and if you look at tesla as an example 
you choose a car online and you just pick a few colors and a few interior options and you know okay. they're, they're they're sending more cars than most now so there's it, it's all about that flexibility with clients i think and they enjoy bespoke and enjoy changes but i think above that they just want answers at the front so they know if they can afford it and remove that whole stress and anxiety for both parties builder and client and I think the future is going to show a lot more of that and demand more of that from the builders. Absolutely. Um, my uh, my dear friend James Deasley from Unisu said, what's the best way, you know, like his comment on COVID was that the best way to get a whole bunch of middle-aged men to adopt a technology is to lock them down <laughs> for two years and tell them they can't go to work unless they embrace it. <laughs> <laughs> all, all, all it took was a worldwide pandemic to shift construction. That, that's, <laughs> that's all. That's all. Hey, so what does the future look like for Can I Build, Tim? Yeah, look, it's, well. it, it is an exciting future. Um, the, so the future right now, we're, um, with the funds that got raised in Series A, we're deploying that to further our growth in the United States. We've got um, a, a rapidly growing team, especially out of Texas. So it's more of um, geographical expansion. It's more of the features that we're um, developing, in particular, um, our 3D technology, our automation technology that we're um, undergoing, and also expanding on the uh, marketplace. So in Can I Build, as part of the sales process, um, many of our clients are engaging us for architectural plans and approvals and these kinds of items. And that needs partners within the surveying and architectural um, marketplace out there. So it's furthering those relationships with um, industry participants. But in a nutshell, keep doing what we're doing, just do it better and faster in in more areas. In more spots. <laughs> awesome. Well, look, Tim, it's been absolutely fantastic talking to you on the PropTech podcast. Thanks so much for being on the show. Fantastic. It was a real pleasure. Really enjoyed it. Thanks a lot, Kylie. So how exciting is Can I Build? I love this idea of flipping the construction process on its head. It's such a perfect demonstration of how big data sets pulled together cleverly can save us so much time, money and heartache in property. It allows us to clearly understand what we can do from the outset and then provides the information to allow us to build upon good decisions rather than that traditional model of conceiving an idea, making some decisions and having to make additional decisions or revised decisions to recover from the problems that those original decisions um, threw up. And all of that comes at a really heavy price in terms of time, money, and results. I also love the flow-through effect, that when your options are clear and you know what is needed for the design of your project to work on your site, then getting approvals and permissions, that all becomes streamlined and less stressful as well. And I'm really impressed that Can I Build technology is already active in the US and New Zealand as well as Australia. There are some elements to this story that are really insightful if you're an Australian prop tech considering funding for expansion and how the approach of Aussies is often so very different to US entrepreneurs. And my observations are this, that Can I Build has spent six years or more getting their tech and their product right. They know it works from their Australian experience and they were already in the US when they went for their Series A. So their funding is being used to genuinely scale their business into a new market, not to allow them to start in the US. It's a good model to follow. 
So well done, Tim and the team at Can I Build? And just a quick note, I attributed a quote to the value of lockdowns as a social experiment to James Dearsley at Unisoo, uh, who is a dear friend, but it is in fact Nigel Dalton from ThoughtWorks who I interviewed for the podcast. So although I'm sure James would definitely agree. Now, if you have enjoyed this episode of the PropTech podcast, I would love you to tell your friends or drop me a line either via email, LinkedIn or on our Facebook page. You can follow this podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor and Apple iTunes. I'd like to thank my podcast producer, the fabulous Charlie Hollins and our sponsors, Direct Connect, Making Moving Easy, Dynamic Methods, the name behind Forms Live, REI Forms Live and RealWorks and the PropTech Association of Australia. Australia, Australia's industry body supporting the flourishing prop tech community. Now, if you're an Australian or a New Zealand prop tech who would like to be on the show, drop me a line via LinkedIn or Kylie at proptechassociation.com.au. Thanks, everyone. Until next time, keep on prop teching. <laughs>